Thank you for tuning into the Rowdy Cards podcast on RowdyCards.com. I'm your host, Patrick Grano, and I have my uh, my buddy Ryan Daly joining us today. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Hey, hey, what's up? Good to be back. Hey, welcome, welcome. Uh, so, you know, we have kind of a fun little agenda today. We're going to be obviously talking or touching on uh, the, the, the series so far, and um, we're going to talk about um, uh, hamburgers, which is very key to discuss in podcasts. Everybody knows that. Yes. Uh, current auction happening on at Heritage Auctions right now, and um, a healthy Otani auction. And Otani's always been very popular topic uh, this year, with for obvious reasons. So let's jump right into it. Now, <clears throat> you know, we've been fans of 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 things growing up for various reasons. You know, that we're just hyped on a player or a set or a team. Sometimes some of us. Some of us go as far as to get these things tattooed on our bodies. Uh, one Braves fan uh, got uh, a tattoo of Ronald Acuna Jr. on their wrist right after the mm-hmm. memorable Grand Slam uh, from the NLDS. So you know, and you know, I looked at the tat. It's it's yeah, it's it's decent, right? I mean, it's a, it's tasteful. It's, it's tasteful, tasteful, I guess. Anyway. And and so, but I just think of it like. That's on you forever, dude. Like, forever. And the Braves yeah. didn't even make the World Series that year. A couple of years ago, um, when the Mets were um, a contender for the World Series champion, and somebody thought it would be a good idea to get Mets World Series champions tattooed yeah. on their body. <laughs> and this was before it was decided who was going to win, and they actually ended up losing. And mm-hmm. so I, <laughs> I think of these things, and I'm like, "Wow, right that's <laughs> that's a good, nice little conversation starter." Yeah, know? I I admire the confidence of these people. As <laughs> as someone who's thought about a tattoo, I've considered many different things. Um, never have I considered someone's face, <laughs> regardless of whether they're a baseball player or whoever they are, and I've never considered a wrist or an arm or something that's visible. If I'm just wearing a shorts and a t-shirt, so I, you know, getting getting the Mets World Series tattoo is a very confident move, and getting this Acuna tattoo is also very confident. Um, yeah, but there you got to remember, like Acuna was to, after the fact. Like this yeah. person's not getting Acuna tattooed on before the the, the Grand Slam. You know, That's true. and and it's not it's not, uh, you know, um, event specific like. It's just a picture of Ronald Acuna with a, a signature underneath. Yeah. But if you just wait, like timing is everything, man. If you just wait for something to happen, then you can celebrate the result in tattoo form and be okay. But if you do it ahead of time, you know, there's kind of really no need for that because you don't know what's going to happen. There's no outcome, you know, guaranteed. So like the Mets tattoo that now is an error um, is... It could have been avoided very easily. Just just wait like a week when the series is over and be done with it. Like, why would you? Why'd you go out and do that ahead? It it just doesn't seem. Yep. To me, that seems like a very, just a, a an easily escapable error. But that's a just lot my, of uh, my a lot of uh, in the playoffs for a lot of the major sports, um, teams will print like World Series champ hats or T-shirts or like playoff champions. Yeah. You know, for both teams because, yep. and so I think, I feel like the Mets 
World Series tattoo is like an extreme example of that. And you, can, I think you can still buy some false merchandise that say, you know, a certain team won the World Series in a certain year, because there are there's a lot of that stuff printed, and if it it's supposed to not be released, obviously, right. um, but some of it does leak out. Um, I'm sure that's a weird niche collector's market, but um, yeah, the, the tattoo is kind of an extreme example. Um, totally. But the Acuna thing is, it's 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 tasteful. It's not obnoxious, and uh, you know, if the Braves have had some some rough luck in the recent years, and I'm sure that Grand Slam was was a huge uh, huge moment for Braves fans. And I I myself personally, I'm a little upset that they're not further into October. I think they're a really fun team to watch. It would have been fun to see Acuna face uh, the Dodgers or the Brewers, or you know, but. Well, we'll, at this point. we'll see him another year, you know. I yeah, mean, he's so young. I mean, he's obviously this is his rookie year. Yeah. And, uh, that tattoo might look really good in five or six years. <laughs> or it might look like just look horrible. Like <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, tattoos are funny because you can get them all colored up and make them look nice in your younger years. But when you get older, all, this, all that stuff's going to turn green, man. And I don't know if the pigments have changed, like technology's changed where they have the inks, they can stay colorful longer. But in my experience, the people I've known who have had colored tattoos, and I'm not saying this gentleman has a colored tattoo. It's very standard. So talking more about like those of us who do, uh, we have to get them touched up from time to time. So I'm not sure if the pigments of the colors actually remain over time longer than they have in the past. You know, I haven't really been studying up on my tattoo industry knowledge, but it's oh, just <laughs> it's just one of those things where I think like, might as well get green if it's going to end up green, you know? It's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just think about this. Anyway, moving on. Um, the final four teams that are still in contention, uh, Red Sox, Astros, Dodgers, and Brewers, and, and you mentioned before we started recording, uh, was that it's a lot, it's very similar to last year's run of teams. Yes, I would say with the exception of the Brewers, obviously we're sort of left with the uh, Red Sox and the Astros and the Dodgers, which can't, you know, hate on them for that. They're mm -hmm. obviously all three of them are amazing. All, all four of them are amazing teams, but right. um, considering what we sort of had right around the time of the wild card games, we had the Rockies, we had the Brewers, we had the A's. Like, I think those were really fun teams that would have been cool to see deeper into October. But obviously, you know, the cream of the crop sort of rises to the top um, as the month continues. Um, Actually, I read a cool fact today. If the Astros and the Dodgers go back to the World Series this year, it'll be the first time two teams have gone back to back since the Dodgers and the Yankees. Oh, and I want to say in like cool. late seventies, like seventy eight, seventy nine, yeah, like right around that era, uh, like Reggie Jackson kind of era. So um, it'd be it'd be historic if if the Astros and Dodgers go back, and I wouldn't be surprised because. They're both looking super strong. I think both those series are tied right now, one to one. So uh, they're going to be contentious. And um, there's another interesting fact about these four teams um, they'll let you get to. Yeah. So one player. There's been one player in baseball thus far who has played for all four of the the, the teams that have reached the postseason this year. But in any time in history, for the four teams that reached the postseason, um, this year is the first year where there has been one player who's now retired uh, who has played for all four of these teams. 
And that's Mark Loretta. He was like a pretty good utility player back then. So he's played for the Red Sox, Astros, Dodgers, and Brewers. Kind of a fun little fact, you know, um, to see that. Like, I don't. I used to, you know, watching like tidbits on the sports channels and then reading the backs of baseball cards. There's always some random fact. You know, first player to have three consecutive years of and you know, fill in the blanks of whatever random statistics. And I'm like. There's got to be some algorithm or some function that creates these random, like, my, right. like, like these, like, oh my gosh, he's the first. And some of them are kind of like not impressive. First player to have <laughs> two years of over ten hits, you know, two runs and and you know st- one stolen base and you know been at five at bats or something. I mean, I'm, that's being facetious, but you kind of get the idea that like some of these things are just like. I guess that's impressive or it's just yeah. like, Hey, I've got, them... I've got a little bit more line of text available for me. Let's throw some more syntax in there. And then they just, a lot of them are kind that. of reaching their reach for certain impressive quote unquote, impressive statistics. But, um, they do. I mean, this is a tradition that goes back in, into baseball cards. And I, I would, it's fun to think about the guy whose job it is to find that stuff before, computer models and <laughs> databases were set up for this things where you could human be human error though like Google. how easy it would it be to like mistake that and like oh did you like, do, are you sure you checked the right database because we have this other database yeah. and like, oh well, crap like, it's already been printed so like i think about like before computers it must have been erroneous yeah. at best well if mark loretta played in the 50s and he had a card in 1956 tops and they wanted to put a fact about him Someone would have to go find this fact because this is this is arguably like the most interesting fact about him, um, and I can't imagine what that process is like. You know, just digging through pages and pages of statistics and you know player information and player history, and but that's what they had to do back then, I guess. And I, I don't know, I, like the, all the tops flagship products still do the the weird quirky player information. Um, some of the more premium products, I don't know if they do that, but there there was the one year where on the back, I think it was oh nine where they had the seven degrees of Mickey Mantle. It was like they would link the player to Mickey Mantle in seven different steps. Which I thought oh, was really cool. that was really cool. I think that was I don't I think it was oh nine. I don't remember I have to go back and look, but I thought that was really impressive that they did that. You know. Like you know, Patrick lives on the planet Earth. So did Mickey Mantle, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't even know how they would link that. Like, how would they, I mean, with before computer generation, like, gosh, the arduous task of trying to find links from seven different degrees to some other pro baseball player was gotta be like very difficult so, and time consuming. I can't some other cool fact about Mark Loretta, his name is phonetically perfect. It's probably impossible to mispronounce, you know, Mark Loretta. Loretta. Yeah. There you go. There's the other fact about Mark Loretta that's impressive. So, <laughs> um, moving on here. So, interesting fact here. Since the Brewers won against the Dodgers on Friday, this past Friday, George Webb Restaurants offered free hamburgers, which is something they hadn't done since 1987. Uh, one man who got a free hamburger in 1987 actually still has his frozen in a bag, and he plans to auction off... Um, 
And I guess he's <laughs> he had it notarized for authenticity. Like, could you imagine showing up at like your bank to have something notarized? There's some banks notarized, so like that's why I said. Or you could go to like the DMV. Yeah. And like the a couple guys I had him like, yeah, I've got to notarize this, you know, paper for this government contracting job, or I've got to do notarize, you know, X, Y, and Z for to make sure that you know fill in the blank some professional administrative typical paperwork and the guy shows up with like this bag <laughs> with his like rock solid frozen hamburger he's like i want to make sure that this is authentic you know so i'm here to notarize my hamburger i mean how often does that happen something like that like like uh, <laughs> it's like a once in a lifetime thing like, yeah, so tell me about your career and and banking well, let me tell you this one time this guy came with a hamburger and he wanted me to make yeah. sure it was authentic. It's just a very interesting conversation st- starter at like a like a house party or something. I wonder how much he'll get for it. Well, it was free. Yeah. So like anything he gets is going to be a profit, right? But yeah. I wonder if he'll get anything for it because it's a frozen hamburger. Like <laughs> who's going to want that? I just, that's just going to be really interesting to see where that goes. I don't know if you remember um, in 2010 there was a uh there was there was hype online for like um toast that had shapes that that looked like tim tebow in the toast <laughs> and because like portions of the toast weren't toasted evenly and those portions looked like tim tebow kneeling and it was listed on auction style on ebay and it pulled in like a grand you know there were um what is it there were there were mcnuggets that sold that looked like um, a celebrity's face. I don't remember who it was now looking back on it, but those sold too for ab- absurd amounts of money. I mean, it, it's almost like a joke. You know, it's like, yeah, it I'm making money because I know it's a joke. It's kind of like Sharknado. Everybody knows it was those movies were made to be totally campy for the reason of bringing in money because people knew that they were, they wanted to go see them because of how campy they were. Yeah. They're, they're money makers on the very premise of being campy. Um, and that's kind of, I think, what happens here with the, like, auctioning off a frozen hamburger or selling a piece of toast. You know, there was, like, a bottle of air that was sold on, on eBay one time. I mean, just absurd <laughs> things. Just absurd. Yeah, it's kind of a novelty, I suppose. Uh, I guess from, like, a collecting standpoint, I can't imagine how many cheeseburgers they gave away in oh. 1987. Probably a lot. So... I mean, I assume it's in the thousands, and so, like, from a collector's standpoint, it's not that rare of an item, and I guess it's maybe a little impressive that he held on to it for this long and got it, you know, notarized and all that, but uh, I'm not in the market, to say the least. You sure? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely sure. <laughs> I wonder how many people are like, man, I can't wait to get my hands on a 1987 original so George cheeseburger. Webb cheeseburger, like... You know, like they they got a checklist. You know, it's like like fifty one Bowman Mantle, you know, eighty nine Upper Deck Griffey, you know, uh, two thousand one Albert Pujols Bowman Chrome Redemption, and then nineteen eighty seven George Webb Frozen Hamburger. Yes. <laughs> you know, and some swizzle sticks at the bottom just for a throw in. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I mean, you know, considering the preservatives they probably used back in the late eighties, you could maybe still eat it. If you reheated it? Yeah, and check this out. I bet he didn't have to freeze it, and it would still just be look exactly the same as he did if yep. he just left it, it on like a fine. bookshelf for 31 years. <laughs> it would just be the most expensive fast food cheeseburger you've ever purchased, but you could probably still eat it. If you, if you were the lucky 
uh, purchaser of this cheeseburger. Oh, if you want to be the buyer of the of the the buyer of the frozen one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the buyer. Whoever, if someone does (laughs) bite on this, hopefully it's somebody who's hungry and they can make use of this thing, right? (laughs) Speaking of auctions, is that uh, Heritage Auctions list? uh, They they recently listed the number one on PSA registry, 1948 Leaf set, which includes the highest graded examples of the Robinson, the Musial, the Williams, and the Page. I mean, th- this is going to be a serious, serious auction. Um, and I often wonder, like, when these auctions go up, you know, like, what is the reason for selling? You know, because mm. if you have, if you're number one on such an iconic set at that grade, like, there's got to be some major, huge, like, personal happening that is requiring you to sell this monumental set. Or... It could be the case that uh, the gentleman has decided to pursue something even more expensive, um, and he thinks that the sell-off of the set will give him the the return that he will. Because this this is going to make well into the million dollars. I I'm almost certain of it. You mm-hmm. know, and, and so, um, y- you know, is it is it to upgrade into the next project? You know, maybe he wants to do. Maybe it's maybe the the seller is like, I have to finance the. To the 1909-11-2206 set that just sold because I bought all the cards. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I have to I sell my 48 sleep set to make sure I can buy that because it's just upgraded. Or maybe he's like, maybe I want to buy out that Wagner. Um, but it's it's really cool. That's a beautiful set, the 48 leaf. A lot of color. Um, interesting uh, dimensions. It's just very iconic in a way and i really appreciate the leaf set from 48 i don't have anything yet in that set but there's just so many great cards to choose from and and you can grab you know warren spawn for not that much you know in like a three and so um there's it's very accessible i think for a lot of people in low grade Mm -hmm. i don't expect to own the robinson musical william or page in any high grade at ever but if i could get ones of any of those i'd be happy you know. Yeah, I, I've seen the Ruth a few times in hobby shops, oh, which yeah. is kind of interesting because he he didn't play baseball in 1948, which mm-hmm. uh, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like products put vintage players in their products all the time. Sure. Um, but yeah, the the Ruth is a huge card, um, and then the ones that you mentioned, the Robinson, the Musial, Williams, and the Page, those are also big cards and. Yeah. Um, this is like the second big vintage auction listing we've seen this year. Um, well, that we've paid attention to. There have, there have probably been others yeah, yeah. and we so just haven't even more. noticed. But like I, I, I follow Heritage on Twitter and so like I keep up with what they're up to. And I happen to know a couple of fellas that work there. And so it's like, I, it, like in passing, I, I get exposed to like kind of what they're up to. But I mean, it's Heritage is a very notable, reputable, credible company when it comes to high-end baseball cards and so mm-hmm. i'm mm-hmm. completely pleased to watch these i'm not going to buy any of them but I, it's just stuff like this is just fun to watch and i always say that if you don't if you can't finance it you can at least be an observer and being an observer is good Absolutely. because you can pay attention to what's in the market what's out there and you can learn like okay well maybe this is my first experience you know uh with 1948 leaf like what does it look like who's in the set how big is the set how condition sensitive, what's the centering look like, generally speaking, mm-hmm. you know, who are the rarer cards, you know? And so, um, it doesn't mean you have to always buy when you're shopping. You can just window shop and enjoy that as it is. Yes. Um, I would recommend, I, I believe we've recommended this before, but 
if you subscribe to the Heritage newsletter and like the PSA Insider newsletter, it's it's all high end stuff. But like you said, it's just it's fun window shopping, and it's informative window shopping, um, because you get to learn things that you may not have known, and you get to see like cool vintage hockey jerseys for auction. Right. Yeah, you know, it's just sort of things that you might not be aware of and um it's if you're a, a serious collector in any sense, I think you should be as well versed um in this sort of in the vintage um world as possible. Yeah, and it's um, just kind of fun to like I don't know, like see what's happening sale wise, you know. Mm-hmm. Like okay, so Page is always a high, high dollar end price in any condition. And from the 48 leaf set, I know a guy who was looking, he was jonesing for a 48 leaf page for a, a number of years. And he just ended up giving up and getting the, the Bowman example uh, into his collection uh, because he just was like, couldn't finance the multiples of thousands of dollars to get a page into his collection in any condition. And so, um, it's it's one of those sets that's depending on the card it can be within reach or well out of reach depending on your income obviously, but for a lot of us, you know, mo- we're not going to end up with a page and so it's nice to see like okay what are they selling for like what's the going rate for that card in that condition or you know um, what's the low end and what's the high end and what can I expect to see in the market you know what are the rare grades and mm-hmm. so when you see something that's number one and it's vintage it's going to get interesting and so the nineteen and forty eight leaf set in number one grade i mean this is like super cherry condition stuff that you just don't see very frequently and if anything it's just knowing that you're not going to probably not going to see it anytime soon again there's something to be said for that you know that like you can like have a look at what what's going to happen i mean i when i saw a 52 tops mantle and a nine uh, in, in person in person i mean it's 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 something to marvel at you know, because you, I don't expect to own it. I don't want to own a nine. I'd be happy with a one, but mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's interesting to watch this stuff. It is. It's fun. So there you have it. Heritage Auctions listing the number one 1948 Leaf set in the PSA registry, which includes the highest graded examples of the Robinson, Musial, Williams, and Page. Moving on, we got the uh, Otani 2018 Bowman Paper Platinum one of one that was pulled. And then originally sold for fifteen thousand. Uh, it was an uh, it was an accepted offer. Uh, it's it's surfaced again. It's been graded, and uh, it's got twenty k OBO option on it. Now this would be a great card to have. Uh, certainly, it certainly works with my collection because it's not autographed. It's like the next best thing from the Super Fractor. Thoughts? Is this the is this the BGS nine? Yeah, it's the one you have there on on. You can you can look it up right now if you want. It's there. So I'm showing a, a buy it now of uh, 14.5. Oh, it's come down? Yeah, interesting. I think that the predictability of this card, where we are in the season, Angels aren't in the postseason, he's going to be Tommy John. We're starting to gonna see it down. like a, It's going to be a level off for Otani stuff, I think, for the next six months. Might be a nice time to buy. Um, this would I be hope a great, so. <laughs> this would be a, right. This would be a great card to have. I don't know what kind of offer would be acceptable. I think probably I'd accept seventy five hundred, but hey, you know, um, that would just be me. But this is just one of those cards. It's like, gosh, what a nice card to have. It's got that like refractive foil technology. It's not autographed. It's got that awesome iconic photo of him. Uh, this would be the one I'd want in my collection. 
you know, if, yeah, if it's I, cool. This is the this is the one. This is the one I'd want to own. I, I just I didn't even know the the platinum one hundred one was a, a thing until I saw this auction. Oh really? Okay. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I guess it's too bad it didn't come in a higher grade, but you know. Oh, it's so ever. funny. <laughs> so funny that people say that. Like, like people complain about one of ones. We should talk about this actually, because yeah, um, the one of one thing is interesting because it's the only one. It's the only one the market's going to ever get of anything. Of one of one, that's that's the one. Deal with it. And people complain, oh, it's too bad. It's never going to come back at ten. I was like, well, then wait for the next one that comes around. You know. Yeah, <laughs> it's a one of one. You're not going to be able to do that. Sorry. I think it's okay to complain about condition when there's like a billion in the market, like anything in the junk wax era. Like I'd rather I wouldn't touch anything nine or below. I just want tens. But with one of ones, you kind of have to just be grateful for whatever it comes back as. You know, it doesn't matter. It's a nine. Like it's the only one we get to have and get to enjoy. Be happy. You just get to see the thing. You know, I just think that. There's no reason to complain about condition when it comes to one of ones because it, it's that it's that unique. It's the only one in existence, you know. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I find it interesting when people complain about condition when it comes to one of one cards. Like, oh, it's probably mm -hmm. a six at best. I was like, well, so it's the only one in existence. Who cares if it's a six? It's the only one you're ever gonna see like that, you know. And once it's sold, and you might not ever see it again, you know. Um, there's always that conversation of hyping cards because of people's, you know, like grading them high because of the hype, you know, like did Beckett grade this super fractor intentionally high because of the hype and to make it even more hyped, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's always those conversations. Um, ethically speaking, I can't account for anybody else's standards, but, uh, but my own, but you know, when it comes to certain cards, some of them just look good slabbed, you know, they just, they just look good under in, in slabs. Like this platinum looks awesome in a slab. If mm -hmm. it came back a nine, cares. I I love it. It looks awesome next to that silver flip, you know. Um, and so I just look at it as like, just be grateful you get to see the darn thing. <laughs> yeah. You know. That's true. Yeah. Um, the slab the slabbing is something I've come a little more comfortable with. Yeah. I, I haven't really been slabbing a lot of my cards over the years. But I have recently, just because, like you said, the way they look, um, and it's just, from a uh, storage perspective, it's just something you never have to worry about. It's like it's it's slabbed, put it away. You know, a lot of the other storage options can be a little fickle. You mm -hmm. know, they're yeah. if you have a flood, you have a fire. I mean, obviously, a fire is going to take out a slab, but um, you know, it's a slab is just it's like good peace of mind and. Um, it looks awesome. Uh, it's a bit expensive, but if, I think if the card is worth it to you financially or emotionally, um, I, I would go through with it for sure. Yeah, and they make, you know, like graded card boxes. I own a bunch of them myself because I have a relatively modest graded card collection, but I appreciate slabbed cards. Some guys are, you know, they don't any interest in slab stuff. They're just like, I don't do the slab thing. I don't do the graded thing. I'm like, all right, well... More for me, I guess, but I, 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 I can appreciate cards being slabbed, especially one of ones. One of ones really don't need to be slabbed, I don't think, but they look nice in, in, in these, these cases, and I, I just like them. I think BGS's cases look really good, too. But, uh, you know, this particular Otani card, it's interesting. It's already dropped $5,500 uh, for the asking and then still has an OBO option. 26 watchers currently. Don't know how long this is going to last. 
uh, or where it's going to sell, but it's going to be fun to watch. And it's still interesting. Otani stuff has obviously come quite a bit down. I think that can be chalked up to two things. One, the market softened a little bit on his stuff, knowing he's not in the postseason and he's hurt. Two, the amount of product that has been pumped into the market since May. I mean, it's just yeah. mind-boggling how often yeah. something is released, and then the super factors pull, and then it sells, and all the other like just plethora of variations and parallels. And I mean, it's almost like Otani rookie cards aren't that big a deal, you know? <laughs> There's so many of them. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of them, but they are super fractures. It's those are nice. Know. Yeah, they those are, are cool. really nice. So that 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 covers this podcast. Ryan, you have any final thoughts? Mm, looking forward to this coming week in playoff baseball. There you go. Uh, yeah, I think I think the next podcast will have a lot of relevant topics to discuss. Sure. Um, potential World World Series births. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's all I got for now. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the Radicards podcast on Radicards.com. I'm your host, Patrick Greeno. And until next time, enjoy collecting. If you like this content, please subscribe. Thank you. Enjoy collecting. <laughs>